Prosecutors have asked a judge to schedule a Friday court appearance in New York for British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's longtime associate, to face charges she helped him recruit women to sexually abuse and reportedly committed suicide over the weekend. Oh, sorry. I'm reading a story from next week's news. My mistake. We'll get to that. He had me. Experts, <laughs> experts say giving someone, giving someone a smell test is a more accurate way than taking their temperature to test for COVID. Giving someone a smell test is also an accurate way to tell if their favorite band is fish. The World Health Organization says it is carefully monitoring a case of bubonic plague in China's northern Inner Mongolia region, but says it is, quote, not high risk. Wow, I've really got this weird feeling like deja vu. I feel like I've heard this before. Nah, you know, the WHO says, don't worry, let's not worry. Horseshoe crabs along the Atlantic coast may be in danger because their blood is key to making a COVID-19 vaccine. On the plus side, it'll be cool when we beat coronavirus and grow those giant claws. <laughs> and finally, the latest trending data from Google shows that President Trump's nickname Sleepy Joe is not generating anywhere near as much buzz as 2016 nicknames like Crooked Hillary. I mean, if you want to use a name that'll convince people someone is a deep-rooted Washington insider incapable of being our commander-in-chief, how about, I don't know, Joe Biden? The Trump Report starts now. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Welcome to the Trump Report. Happy to be joining each and every one of you. Uh, I could introduce the whole panel, but I have to get right to Chelsea because happy birthday, Chelsea. Thanks, Christian. And just in five more years, you'll be old enough to run for president. Exactly. I look forward to the day. Let's stick with that. Uh, and of course, uh, Scott Moore, uh, with, I feel like, more Star Wars toys behind you than yeah. last time. And I can't <laughs> I believe Ryan... A, a, angle Ryan, the camera. Yeah, Ryan is not producing the show today. Uh, right. he, he's going to invite himself over. And of course, Tamara Brown, my Hi fellow there. mirth maker. Uh, thank you to everyone for being here today. Um, I, you know, I'm glad we do the show on Tuesday because... Honestly, I was just so full of pride for our nation and just excited after President Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore. I'm sure you guys all felt the same way. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, there's nothing cynical about that at all. But um, the interesting thing I thought about that, well, maybe there were a couple things interesting, but there were people wearing masks in some of those crowd shots. I, I'm surprised that they let them, you know, sit anywhere where, where cameras could find them. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of news that we're starting to see. It's, uh, you know, don't need to really dive in, but the uh, Trump's approval rating has plunged in 500 counties nationwide where there are surging coronavirus cases. Uh, and uh, the white house has adopted a tactic uh, reportedly, this is not like an official press release, go figure, that they're really hoping that the American public just numbs to the death toll and they, as uh, President Trump has suggested, just learn to live with it. Um, birthday girl Chelsea, do you think that that's a great uh, birthday wish for you that uh, we should all just, I don't know, get over it and just 
deal with the way that things are? You think that's is 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 that the approach that uh, that we should be taking as a nation? That is quite literally the world's worst birthday wish. Um, I don't. I, I just don't think it would work. I mean, and how terrible to even hope that it would. I think as this goes on, more of us will know people who got it, who have complications, perhaps that have passed away. And when we realize that it was all unnecessary because these numbers are, are astronomical compared to the rest of the world, um, we're, we're, we're not going to just get over it. Although with how much you know, unnecessary death we've allowed to happen in this country, I could see why somebody might think that that was a possibility, but terrible nevertheless. You know, Tamara, obviously, I think, it, you know, it would be terrible if the statistics were, yeah, you know, uh, 20 people have caught this nationwide in the last three months and, and two died. But that's where you could be like, okay, I guess the approach to that is, yeah, we're going to have to live with it until they find something. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, this is the first irresponsible thing out of this White House. I think up until this point, they've really handled everything with the, I, I'm just trying. I know, can you even do that with a straight face? No, I couldn't. I tried. No, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, um, I think that, I don't know, I, I, you have your, your diehard, uh, you know, diet in the wool uh, uh, Trump supporters, but it, you're really getting the feeling that a lot of people are starting to think like, wait a minute. It's like, I, you know, sure. Maybe I don't, I don't know somebody who has it, but you know, you probably are starting to see like, Oh wait, that seems to be happening here. Do you think that, is there a way for the white house to take a, a stand on this, which they don't seem willing to, but do you, what do you think they could say at this point that might make people be like, okay, clearly he's taking this serious now. Coronavirus is an actual threat, and everybody should wear a mask. <laughs> I mean, that's what he should okay. say. <laughs> I think you misspoke <laughs> take it. when you intended to say it's a hoax invented by the failing uh, New York Times and uh, and and CNN. I think that's but, the opposite of what you you were oh, asking. Okay, no, I just look. I, I'm just trying to get get all these stories right in my head. Look, it's it, 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 it's very hard to. So, I. Th- think despite what is coming out of the White House, I, I just I just talked to a friend this morning in Oklahoma, uh, which is a state that you would think that everybody, you know, would have a lot more people walking around Walmart without masks on. And she said that most people are taking it seriously. The same my mom said the same thing in the state of Missouri. I think that people are taking this, even people who are uh, in red states in uh, who are Trump supporters are taking steps that despite uh him downplaying it so that is good um as for making yourself numb to the numbers i say i am one of those people but but to the degree not not that i'm ignoring uh the severity of it it's just that i'm just like the numbers are only showing how more and more dire the situation is so i just don't even pay attention to them anymore i know that we are in a crisis and we're all just doing the best we can because our leaders are fumbling so the numbers i just personally i'm just like i i don't need to know how many more people have died i know people are constantly dying now from this so right i I mean i I don't even think it's a it's like an insensitivity in that sense it's just what are you going to do any different 
Yes. If a million people die tomorrow, you're still doing everything you can. You're not going outside. You're going to wear the mask, you know, and all that. So it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do understand that standpoint. Uh, Scott, do you think that if we get to the point where the taking precautions against the virus, sort of if that movement, if it wins over the Karens of America, uh, I think that's the point where Trump probably needs to drop out of the race, right? I mean, if he, if he, does, if he loses Karen, he, he, loses, he loses Oklahoma, basically. Yeah, right. I, I think, you know, it, it was a big turnaround when you see people like Governor Greg Abbott um, requiring people oh. to wear masks. So I think you've already started to see this tide turn um, when some of the biggest uh, Trump supporters are now asking people to wear masks and to social distance and to be closing down bars um, and restaurants. So uh, there is definitely a shift, but clearly, you know, he wants to avoid any bad news. He wants to avoid, you know, because then that reflects badly on him. And of course, he's all about the economy. So for him, it's like open everything up and everything else be damned. And if the economy does better, then people will be working and they'll think their 401ks are great and they'll vote for him again. And they'll forget about everything else is what he's banking on. Um, But it's not the same thing that it has been in the past when we've gone through recessions with an economy, because obviously we have a whole other health pandemic on top of it. And we have injustice going on. And we've seen now how he is capable of handling these issues and it's not very good. So I don't see any other way for him to, to dig his way out of it, but he's gonna to try to do whatever he can uh, between now and November to not draw attention to all the other bad things and make it seem like it's it's everyone else's fault and that we need to open the economy fully. So I, I don't know if he's gonna really change his his tune, but he might, he might be, you know, wanna be the, the lone warrior and wear his mask if he sees people like Governor Greg Abbott and other officials and big, uh, Republican states doing this if he thinks it'll help him. Well, I uh, I've noticed that uh, Pence has been wearing a mask more often, but I I, I again I, I think I put this theory out a couple of weeks ago. I think that's just more Trump trying to humiliate him. You know, he doesn't want to wear it. He's just like, no, you go wear the mask now. You know, this this is your fault. Yeah. Uh, but um, before I move on, I wanted you know you're talking about you know somebody like. Governor Abbott in Texas, who certainly didn't want to go out there and tell people, tell Texans that they need to put masks on. Uh, a, a great Twitter friend of yours, Mitch McConnell, has uh, <laughs> recently been uh, in the last day or so, sort mm-hmm. of speaking about taking it very seriously. And um, I, I, is it cynical of me to think that the only reason he sounds that way is because he's running for re-election? No, that's exactly why. Yeah. Because I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound like Mitch McConnell. I'm like, oh yeah, now we're like five months away. Right. Like he's got to act like this is seriously. This is this is serious. Uh, and uh, Chelsea from uh, Scott's home state, uh, you know, another governor who's doing a great job is Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> Her- horrific job. I'm really bad with reading things today. This is it's bad lighting in here. Uh, it's probably the the classy wood paneling, but uh, he. Has uh, they've said basically in Florida that uh, yes, schools need to reopen in the in the fall, and uh, you got to do it in person. And the the wording was at least five days a week. I'm like, wait, so they're gonna go back and like they're gonna start going on Saturdays too? Like, I'm like, wait, wait, who gave them that authority? Like, oh yeah, now there's an extra day of school too. I mean, look, I I I don't want to speak too badly about one of our fifty states, but Scott, do you think that maybe in Florida they could use an extra day of learning? (laughs) 
I think they could. I mean, okay. maybe that's why they need to have six days a week. So but, they can but here, here's so what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. All 50 states could use an extra day of learning. I'm sorry, what history. were you saying, Tamara? I think they're elective classes, like the history of NASCAR and... Um, <laughs> Yeah. No, I it's not an elective. Example. They, they have they have AP NASCAR actually. That's yeah. There you go. So <laughs> yes, um, I took that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Chelsea, <laughs> you, wow, you you took it. Yeah, yeah you didn't ace yeah. it. You got a you got yeah. a one out of five on the AP. I did. But yeah, it was bad. Chelsea, what about states? Just I mean, you know, look, here's the thing: the the president tweeted tweeted uh, reopen the schools in all caps. Uh, fortunately for you know, parents who might worry about the safety of their children, just tweeting in all caps doesn't make something happen. But how much of a threat do you think it is where you have governors who, for political reasons, want to, you know, make the point of like, look, our schools are open and they're going to start trying to enforce these things? Opening up the schools seems bonkers to me but I was thinking about this like the only way to do it would be if you sent kids to boarding school so maybe like the college yes, please kids, oh sorry the, the was, college kids said that out loud yeah that was supposed to be in my head sorry I missed it the I was saying I want to send my kids to boarding school uh yeah yeah the, the so the college kids they're hopeless you can't keep them on a campus or if you do they'll congregate they'll you know so like we got to send the college kids home, I guess. But then if we send the elementary school kids to college and have them stay in the dorms, they can't like party. Right. So, so maybe we can offer relief to parents of young kids and send them off to like a boarding school. College kids will have to learn via zoom and we'll upend education, but you know, Hey, maybe it's worth a shot, but literally I realize this sounds ridiculous. The only thing that sounds more ridiculous (laughs) It's just sending kids back to normal schools. Honestly, this is one of the most sensible things anyone has ever said on this show in the four (laughs) plus years we've been doing it. Uh, I I love the idea of sending kids, young children off to college. You know, Felix is going to be five in a few weeks. I think that means he's old enough to rush a frat. So um, I'm very excited. Uh, We're going to see a Seth Rogen movie in the works. The script is writing itself. Wait a minute. Let's stop talking about it. And uh, Tamara, you and I will talk uh, off, off air about this idea. I like it. And we can pitch it to Seth Rogen. But uh, look, there's uh, so there's the joking around of like, oh, man, I'd love to get the kids out of my house. But then there's the reality for, you know, working where a lot of families, both parents work. And in, in all around the country, even in Southern California, people are starting to have to go back into work at least a little. And if you, you have your kids home, it makes it uh, very problematic, as I found trying to sign up for a, a nanny service that, uh, you know, sometimes the, the wait is, uh, is, you know, it's kind of uh, a lot of people are looking for it right now. So it's like you want your kids to go s- to be safe. But at, at the same time, you're like, OK, but what is the solution? And I, I, I think that I understand the idea of wanting to open the schools, but um, I, I mean, it's not even like, they're not even thinking about like, okay, we're going to send, you know, like we'll do like three shifts. We'll have an early morning shift. So there's less kids and then we'll do more. Yeah. Cause it'll cost too much. The, the, it's just more like, yeah, schools are going to be open regular uh, all, all day, every day. Uh, schools in Florida still shoes optional, right? Scott. Of course. Yeah. Flip-flops. I just wanted to, just like, just like, but just yeah. like church. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
um, but I, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what kind of authority governors have, but uh, this is more of a hypothetical. I mean, Tamara, if if you if you had a a, a job where they suddenly were like, okay, well, you have to come back into uh, the office because obviously whatever you're doing is it's essential that you be here. Uh, and it wasn't even your company that wanted to do it, but if uh, if governors started mandating that, I mean, what? What do you think your personal reaction would be, and how do you think that the majority of uh, of Americans would feel about these kind of sweeping laws that kind of ignore what's going mandated, on in the country? If, if yeah. it were mandated to go back to work, so yeah. a friend of mine who did who has been off and she just had to go back to work, they they have these like safety procedures in place, but she keeps texting me in frustration during the day that they're not being followed. And I think that's the issue with not just in a workplace, but in the grocery stores everywhere is that who has the authority to enforce any of these security measures so that when people aren't taking them seriously, you know, when there aren't hand sanitizers at every workstation where they're supposed to be, or somebody is, has their mask hanging down, like, Who's who is in the position to tell somebody fix your mask? These are all the enforcement of these measures right. are what needs to be sort of mandated more so than the measures themselves, because that seems to be the problem that we're hitting. That's why there are these insane people having fits inside Costco because somebody told them to wear a mask. If we're just going on cell phone footage alone it just seems like these aren't even these aren't even people who are pro mask or anti mask they're just mentally unstable people who are looking for yeah. a fight that is who's really shining at this moment yeah people people who go out in public for the sole purpose of getting into a fight yeah i i, I think you're right you know i was before we started i talked about being at a, a supermarket in orange county and I, I can't remember if i told the story on the show or not but uh, everybody who worked there, everybody shopping, everybody had masks on. Uh, about half of us were wearing gloves too, because you know what? Why not? And uh, there was one lady walking around, and she was a very like real housewife of Orange County. You know, uh, got must have uh, used a Groupon for her facelift, and she was walking <laughs> around, and she was the one that didn't have a mask on. And uh, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, that's a little jarring. There's a big sign out front that says "Don't do it." And then uh, you know, nobody said anything. I'm like. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in a fight with a high income Karen, maybe a low rent Karen, but not, <laughs> not a Karen who has a lawyer on retainer, you know, I mean, let's be honest, but yeah. And they just let her check out. And I, I honestly, I'm like, you know what? I bet you she comes in every week and they're just like, just let her, just let her get out of here. Everybody else is wearing masks. Uh, Somebody pointed out a good tactic in that scenario, which is to go up to that person and be like, um, excuse me, I have, I just tested positive for COVID. So just to let you know, I just wanted to, and just, just see how they react. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, it's, uh, it's, um, I, I don't know. So I think that that's really uh, what a lot of, uh, what a lot of people. Uh, Christian, I have I mean, some legal you... advice here for you. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, the people that spend money on Groupons for their facelifts do not have lawyers on retainer. They wear all their money. That's why you use a Groupon in their face? Right. So Love they can't actually afford the lawyer. They're more likely to be in debt and unable to afford a lawyer. You may have a better chance. 
against Groupon facelift Karen. But I was going to say, Groupon facelift Karen wanted to show off that facelift. So of course she's not going to wear a mask. She spent all of her money. It's now all in her face. So she's got to show it off. Well, there was so also there, defeats the purpose. There was also a law firm group on as well. So, you know, a lot of body shaming of Karen going on right now. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Group on law firm. I've never been offended by <laughs> lawyers. Here, here, here's here's what I'm going to tell you. 2021, that's going to be the year of Karen. I know it's not a good yeah. year for Karen. But, you know, it'll come back around. It'll be Karen's going to have a comeback. Karen's going to have a comeback. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's a there. There's a, someone in the chat who's used the word Nazi uh, p- uh, directed at us uh, and uh, uh, has called us uh, idiots. And um, you guys tested positive for radical idiots. I don't think you really phrased mm-hmm. that the way you wanted to. <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, but um, I like I like where you're going with that. I like that. It's yeah, a good one. It's, it's a good one. You know, that's not that bad. You know. Uh, so, but I've been accused of worse. I, I'm not quite <laughs> sure why she's watching, but you know what? Thank you. You watching. Uh, yeah, most people can't see it. Uh, Brie, who's uh, producing, points that out. But uh, there's like one that got in. <laughs> but uh, I can see all of them. But uh, that's all right. I'm just glad that someone's watching. So thank you. <laughs> uh, but in any case, uh, there's obviously uh, a, a lot of other things that I wanted to talk about. But I do want to stay on the virus for a moment because uh, the, well, let's first, you know what, I I was gonna, okay, so the uh, Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, a potential VP pick, says she tested positive for coronavirus, but she feels fine, so she's gonna keep working, but you know, like working remotely. That doesn't mean like, yeah, I feel fine, so I'm gonna go to Costco and get into fights. Uh, so, uh, but- uh, I hope this episode is sponsored by Costco. I hope so too. I, hey, if they bring the samples back, I will let them- I know. Uh, right? the samples. Come on, just give me the sa- <laughs> Put a lid on them, then it's fine. Uh, but uh, so, I don't know. Uh, there's that. And then also, see, the problem is that one of my links was, uh, was like, a, it, it gets updated. So the, uh, but the, the president of Brazil, Bolsonaro, yeah. uh, tested positive for it. And look, you don't feel, you don't feel good for anybody who, uh, gets it, but speak you for yourself. Have, well, I don't. Uh, and you also have a uh, former presidential candidate, Herman Cain, who was attending Trump's Tulsa rally. Uh, and he posted a picture of himself without a mask and he's in the hospital in Atlanta for it. Um, and, uh, neither of those are particularly funny to me, but what I did think was funny was in the press release from Herman Cain's office was, uh, there just, they made it clear. We're not sure how he caught it. And then, you know, Twitter is very helpful in those moments. (laughs) They'll do a screen grab. And then there's a picture of him at the rally smiling without his mask. Yeah. We have no idea where he caught it. And no, look, he doesn't mean he caught it there, but he could have given it to somebody. Did he say hi to Kimberly Guilfoyle? You know, I mean, there's a lot of questions as to to how that would happen. Um, Do you think that, you know, I mean, Boris Johnson had it, but do you think that having prominent people get it and, and survive it, 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 does that help in a way? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm going to ask each of you what you think sort of, you know, uh, Bolsonaro has been somebody who was really downplaying whether or not it was real and how much of a threat it was. So uh, I, I think he's the one to really focus on uh, on this. Uh, although, you know, 
Herman Herman Cain did did give us the uh, the nine 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 plan when he ran for president. So uh, I I I do hope that uh, when he needed to go to the hospital, he called nine nine nine. Yes, I know that's not really that funny, but I said it anyway. Uh, so what do you think, uh, Scott? When you you know when somebody like Bolsonaro, who is a world leader, uh, comes down with uh, with this with this virus. Well, I think when it's someone like Bolsonaro or even going back to Boris Johnson, uh, who was, you know, sort of not taking it as seriously at the beginning either, um, it definitely helps to bring home the seriousness of it. But on the flip side, because they're going to have the best access to medical care and health care um, and be monitored in a way that the everyday citizen uh, would not be and they recover, can also not look well for trying to stay safe and everything where someone who talks about, especially Bolsonaro is not, you know, is going to come back and more than likely be like, Oh, it was no big deal, you know, and continue to not have the citizens take it as seriously. So there, there is that side to it of when these world leaders recover fully and they're back at work, it it can make it seem like it's, it's not uh, a a hazard like it is for everyday people that are not going to have the same access to uh, the healthcare and uh, the same great hospitals and monitoring that these world leaders do. So it's kind of a, a, it's a two-sided thing there. On one hand, it does show that it is serious, but on the other hand, it shows that if you recover, it's not a big deal. Yeah, when Boris Johnson went back to work, I couldn't believe how disheveled and out of shape he looked. And then I was reminded that that's what he looked like beforehand. So I don't know how much that helps. And I don't know if, you know, having... Uh, a, a, you know, I, I guess it would show a sign of weakness if a world leader, you know, were like hooked up in a hospital bed and being like, yeah, hey, I guess this is real. I, I feel like Brazil, I don't want to generalize, but Brazil, you get the feeling that they're kind of like the Florida of South America in the sense that they really don't want the party to stop down there. And uh, I, I think it's kind of bumming them out a little bit. And I think that's where Bolsonaro was come from, coming from. Um, making that generalization, Chelsea, first of all, uh, was it racist for me to say that, uh, that I'm generalizing the Brazilian people? Because if it, if it is, I feel like I should apologize. Uh, but uh, I, I was just trying to, I was just trying to more make fun of Florida than Brazil. Well, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, you know, I hadn't thought of it the way that Scott just presented it. I mean, I had thought, you know, you don't, I don't wish death upon anybody. But I did think that it was sort of a good thing that he got it so that people could see that this is like a real thing. But Scott's totally right. If, you know, they have the best access to healthcare and they come out on the other side, like, you know, this was a teeth cleaning, then yes, that could have a, a detrimental effect. But um, I, I, I believe that even with the best healthcare, some people will pass away from it. And unfortunately, it may take a very high profile person to pass from it in order to shake people awake. Um, and I am I'm not wishing that on Bolsonaro or, or anybody, but I, I guess I fear that that will be what it takes for people to really wake up. Um, you know, here we had the death of a Broadway actor who fought the coronavirus for like 90 some odd days. And I, even for me, somebody who has 
hardly left the house and hardly sees anybody. He's taken this very seriously. That even got to me that, you know, 90 days of trying to fight this. Um, right. And, and, and uh, he, he's only, he was only 44. So 41. 41. Yeah. yeah. And he, so, he looked so young yeah. and so in shape and, and healthy and no, no pre-existing conditions that have been made public. So um, it is tragic and terribly sad. And I can only hope that people um, heed that warning. Well, that's, that's exactly what I've been saying too, is, is to people is, um, and friends that have talked to you is like, people are just looking at that hard number on the death number too, but you have to look at exactly the case in point with him, the, the people that are suffering and going to the hospital for 30, 60, 90 plus days. And even if they survive, I mean, not only do you think of the toll that takes on your health, but being on a ventilator and then the recovery after that. And then of course the medical bills. And so it's not even just the fact that you're getting to that hard number of someone actually dying from it. It's the horrible time that you're recovering and any of the permanent damage that you're going to have to your lungs and other organs, which again, I, I think people are overlooking that and glossing over it too. It's like you either survive or you don't, but there is that whole time period where some people, and you see it all the time here on the local news too. It's like someone got out of the hospital after 50 days. And I mean, it's just insane. And nobody wants to be on a ventilator either. And I do agree with Chelsea and it is sad to say, but someone very high profile, if they were to pass would maybe bring attention, especially someone who's maybe very anti but you don't wish that, but in a, in a crazy weird way that might bring attention if someone that was very anti this disease and ended up you know, being a world leader or some other high profile person would maybe bring that attention to how serious it could be for people. Uh, I, I, I think you're, uh, you're basically trying to say Alex Jones without saying it, but uh, <laughs> no, I was. I don't know if it would, because I asked this question uh, on my socials recently, is that like, because at this point, you know, we're three plus months in to dealing with this. So people, there are, at this point, there has to be a significant number of people who are anti-mask, even people thinking it's a conspiracy, it's a hoax, COVID, uh, who have at this point had family members fallen seriously ill or died. And so I, I asked, like, how are they? So what do they have to say at this point? So that's what, you know, I think we're talking about right now. What would that person say when a politician that they stand behind falls ill because of COVID? But I think that you're assuming this person obviously does not use reason. So I still don't think that that's going to make a significant difference to them. If, if, if they were able to see cause and effect and how that goes into effect, they wouldn't be and they they wouldn't be believing COVID is a hoax in the first place. So I I think that even if um, a, a a public figure or a personal family member who who does um, have dire consequences from this, I don't see that swaying a person who who doesn't believe that this is is as dangerous as it is the only way i'd say that it would is is it kind of goes back to the theory of you know somebody knows somebody that had it and it goes back to all kinds of issues either with gay rights you know it's across the board if someone can personally relate to that then they're more likely to either support it or you know believe in it and i think a lot of people still have not been touched by this and so all they're seeing is what they see from the media so if there is either personal connection, like a family member or someone that they either look up to or respect, 
that might have been against it that gets it. That's where I'm saying that that might be able to help those people. Yes, there's always going to be a percentage of people that are never going to go for it, but there might be that chance of getting some of those people over if they have a personal connection to it. Where otherwise, when it's just blasts on the media and it's just numbers, they're more likely to to ignore it and think it's not a big deal. So that's what I meant. It's more of yeah that kind of thing. Right, and and you know, there's anecdotal evidence of people who you know they they were outspoken and they got it and they're like, oh yeah, I was stupid. And and some of them are you know figures in like communities like you saw somebody who said oh i was stupid i've made a mistake this is yeah, real it was like uh, uh, yeah i've seen like uh, church pastors and things mm-hmm. who were like okay yeah i should have you know by the way it's not a lot but i've seen a few of those i, I i'm not talking yeah. about you know because i think we've had some elected officials you know we've had like m- members of congress who've tested positive but i don't think anybody got sick uh, uh, so i because i you know how i know that that didn't happen because that might be on the news a little bit if somebody from uh, you know an elected official got sick. So uh, if obviously- Don Junior's girlfriend is on the news for getting it, then I should hope. Yeah, but that's that's Congress. Don Junior's uh, girlfriend. So uh, obviously, uh, and now Don Junior's in quarantine. And I don't know. I mean, hasn't Kimberly Guilfoyle suffer- suffered enough? Now she needs to be uh, locked up with uh, Don Junior. Uh, in any case. Um, the private majority in the chat points out, uh, you know, possible kidney and heart damage. We don't really know the long-term effects. And that's the thing. I, uh, you won't know for a while what, what sort of uh, impact this has on people who even come through it. I mean, I had, uh, you know, my, my friend, John, who was the best man. Uh, we were best men at each other's wedding. Uh, he had it, he lives in New York. He had it for like three weeks and he said it was really bad and you know, he's fine now, but I, I just, uh, you hope that anybody that who does pull through it is, is, is okay. And, um, so, uh, there's another person in the chat and this is not the person from before, but, uh, Knezvik, uh, says, what is going on between China and the USA? And I'm glad that somebody asked about that because, um, it looks like, um, you see in like movies, you know, when people like, race cars for like pink slips you know like you win the loser's car and then you have two cars you almost feel like that might be what's going on in the south china sea where it's like oh check out my battleship oh i got two and uh, there's sort of always this threat that we might get into war with somebody china always seems kind of likely um when you you see these concerns uh do you think that China just feels like, yeah, now's probably a pretty good time that uh, we could uh, uh, we, we could uh, swing a big a bigger stick around here? Uh, do you think that uh, China's looking to to pick us off, Chelsea? I think if anybody has a motive to want to get into battle with China, it would be Donald Trump. He would want to distract us from the coronavirus um, and actually just not distract us from the virus, but just point the blame at them. Um, and, uh, and prompt them into some sort of altercation. Um, I think people now see China differently. The fact that we sent all our jobs and manufacturing abroad and can't make enough PPP, PPP, PPE for ourselves because most of it comes from China. Um, this has um, really upset people and people are not happy with China. And to be fair though, we were the ones that shipped the jobs there because we wanted things to be cheaper and everything. 
everything has a cost. So that just came around to bite us. But for people that are not really into personal responsibility or our country taking responsibility for its actions or for holding corporations accountable for their actions, yes, sure, China will be a great scapegoat and somebody for Trump to be aggressive with and try and, you know, rally the the base to uh, have somebody new to hate with him. So, uh, Tamara, if we were uh, if we were laying odds and uh, putting real money in here, uh, would you put money on China? You feel like uh, if they really wanted to do this thing, they'd probably be able to pull it off at this point. China could. I we don't have the money for it right now. <laughs> With um, as devastated as we are, like I, I feel like even Trump is much. I mean, I agree with Chelsea that he he would be itching to go to war. Um, but we can't afford it. Sorry. Um, well, so the military budget has not been touched. It's been increased dramatically over his time. So they do have a lot of money. Um, maybe yeah, in a few years. I mean, if, if you run out of money, I mean, just tell them the mint to print more and then you and have just tell China, money. we'll pay him back yeah. later. We'll pay the, we'll pay you back yeah. later. Exactly. Add yeah. it to the tab guys. Uh, Scott, I wanted to, uh, get your reaction to these comments from a, uh, a CIA, uh, official. This is, her name was Beth Sanner. She's a senior official at the office of the director of national intelligence. She serves as Donald Trump's intelligence briefer, which you think about that for a second. That probably means, uh, a, a lot of, uh, charts and graphs and demonstrating pictures. things with blocks. Yeah. Pictures. Yeah. Um, she said that <laughs> she, she doesn't make public comments very often, but, uh, you get the feeling that somebody was probably about to blame her for something because she said that she didn't explain your story that we talked about last week, the, this idea of Russian bounties against us soldiers. She didn't, ex didn't tell him about it because he was losing interest in what she was saying, you know, and uh, that is definitely when you're trying to have a, you know, important conversation with a child, you do have to go like, all right, I'm, I'm going to have to move this onto something that they like. Um, can you imagine being the uh, intelligence briefer to uh, our current president? And uh, how would you get him to listen to information? I, I think, I mean, just, I, I actually uh, feel sorry for her. Um, and what a misnomer there, I'm talking about intelligence. But um, I mean, right there, that's the problem. When something this serious, if she's claiming she couldn't even talk to him about something this serious because he wasn't interested. And uh, we've read about this and heard about this in the past too, about how he's wanted to gloss over certain things. Um, and it's just, uh, to me, that right there makes it unacceptable for him to be in this position if he's not even capable of having the attention span to go through something as serious as that. Um, and I know she was probably trying to get out in front of it, like you said, to, to cover herself yeah. because she would be the first person to take the fall. But it's really just goes back to how unacceptable it is um, for anything. I, I was just going to joke and say, you know, she had to draw stick figures with a Sharpie to maybe showcase what is actually happening. But it's such a serious topic that you can't even joke about it. And the, in the sense that, um, her even making that suggestion is to me already grounds of being like, this person is not acceptable. Taking every other thing out right there, if he did everything else right, just saying that he can't even 
focus on something that, that that's that important. And it also shows the hypocrisy of Republicans and conservatives who keep talking about, you know, military and, you know, we're the ones that are strong on, on protecting uh, America and its borders. And then you have someone right there who can't even listen to a briefing shows that it's absolute hypocrisy too. And really um, just unacceptable around that. That's what it's come to that uh, you can't even uh, show intelligence to somebody like that. You know, Scott, right up until this minute, I always thought of you as a Trump guy. I guess I haven't been listening to you. <laughs> I, I, I really just don't pay attention when you talk. Uh, no, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, what Nobody she was does. trying to what she was trying to tell him about is very serious. But this idea that, like, yeah, I can't really tell him about important stuff. Um, Chelsea, as we've mentioned multiple times during the show, uh, today is your birthday, and because of that, I would like to talk about corruption in government. Uh, specifically as it <laughs> relates to uh, this small business aid that was happening uh, during the virus, uh, you know, the outbreak. And you see a number of businesses who were, uh, conveniently enough, large donors to uh, the Trump campaign. Uh, they also included uh, a number of, uh, of, out, of conservative-leaning outlets and Kanye West, aka our next president, uh, Kanye West. We'll talk about that next week. I'm sure. I'm sure he's he's going to have a platform out by then. But you know, no reason to talk about President Kanye until he's he's ready to talk about it. Um, so, I'm sure this is not surprising to you, Chelsea. But what could be done? Again, it has to be hypothetical. But what could be done? could have been done a couple of months ago to be like, we really need to make sure that this money goes to businesses that need it. Not Kanye West, not Newsmax, you know, not some of these like conservative think tanks, you know, so what could have been done and can anything be done to prevent any future aid going to the wrong places? Or or is that, would that not even matter if Joe Biden were president? Yeah. I mean, I think the answer to the question is above my pay grade. I mean, I think, you know, Mark Cuban had a decent idea where you just let companies continue to spend as they were spending before, but then you just don't uh, allow them to go sort of into the negative and the government would supplement that rather than give out uh, loans. But the the bigger question is how how did we get into this situation where we have Kanye West taking out loans of two to five million dollars, claiming that he is helping to hold on to a hundred employees with with that money. Um, you know, part of me wants to be really pissed. Part of me is like, uh, I mean, okay, well, maybe there's some fairness to it. But then I was, you know, just I was still watching the news about how people can't even get regular unemployment and about how people that made more than 75 or their household made more than $150,000 didn't even get a $1,200 check. And it just seems so outrageous and offensive that the only way to prevent it is to take out the system that allowed it. Um, that I understand wanting to get money into the hands of small businesses. Um, you know, but the government knows a lot more about us than we would like to believe. You know, we could, if we wanted to, have these really, a really simple way to do our taxes where the government sends us a pre-filled out form with everything. We would just review it and sign it because they know so much 
about us. So if they, if they had been on top of things and, you know, this goes beyond just Trump being so unprepared for something like this, we don't know um, really if the treasury department could have done something like this, because I, I understand that their technology is like in the Flintstone era, but this is just the product of decades of allowing big business to wipe out regulatory agencies from the inside out. Um, and so that we're in this situation. And the only thing that can I can hope for is that enough people get pissed off that are like, this, this cannot be right. And then they figure out that it was because of the, mon the role of money in politics that, that this happened, that we don't try and place a Band-Aid on this current situation, but that you eradicate the whole, pull the problem out from the root. Um, and it's just a matter of enough people following the money to the root to figure out what the problem was and us starting over in this regard, where we cannot let money be so influential into our politics because then they're the ones that get bailed out and most other people get left behind or get a very, very minimal, almost embarrassingly offensive bailout. You know, what you say makes so much sense specifically on finances. I only wish there was a book where people might be able to look to get more of that kind of information. Can you think of any book that you might want to recommend to people, Chelsea? Well, you know, I had, I wish that in my book, save yourself, develop the financial fitness to spend in alignment with your values, not ego. I had talked more about money and politics. I think I dropped it in and like one line somewhere because I, you know, of course I could have written, it feels like an entire book on the subject, but where I wanted people to start Sounds with like your next book, <laughs> right. Was getting their own personal finances in shape because then you could see how ridiculous it is for us to collectively be so out of shape. So it is a two prong approach. We've got to fix our politics, but we also have to fix our personal finances. Thank you very much for the opportunity to pitch my book. It's available on Amazon, and I encourage you to get financially fit because as most of these things that we're seeing, these big collective problems that we have. Uh, may not be absolutely solved, but they're immensely helped when we individually clean ourselves up, either clean up our finances or put on a mask. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Well, thank you. And uh, my financial advice to our audience is don't get a facelift with a Groupon, I think that we established that earlier. Uh, Tamara, when yes. we're talking about these uh, bailouts, uh, there's a a large franchisee of uh, Wendy's, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut restaurants, whose CEO is a major donor to President Trump, they got loans uh, totaling between 15 to $30 million. Uh, Planned Parenthood clinics, I think that must have been an accident. I think they probably thought they were giving money to you know something else. Uh, but my favorite of these is the nonprofit Americans for Tax Reform, uh, run by a guy named Grover Norquist, who makes a lot of rounds for, if you watch a lot of cable news and listen to uh, political talk radio, you know Grover Norquist, happy to take lots of government money. Um, I'm starting to think, Tamara, do you think that our elected officials are hypocrites? <laughs> no, I think they're fine. Okay, good. Next I'm question. glad somebody agrees with me. Thank you. I mean, yeah, everything that Chelsea just said, like that is the ultimate point that America... I, I, it's so hard to get the general American citizen to pay attention to to 
politics at all. I'm sorry to be cynical, but we are all people that, I mean, I, I'm not even um, as tuned in as, as the rest of this panel. Um, but there, there, I, I feel like the, the average citizen just is, ha, has a very minimal um, awareness of what's, what's happening, even just coronavirus and election and things like that. So to go as deep as who is funding, who is funneling money into our politicians and what is the um, effect of that? What is the fallout from that? It, it's just so beyond what the general public is aware of that it, it's, it is the root of all, cause, of, of all of our problems right now. And it is absolutely not something that is in the general lexicon of awareness. So that is the frustration amongst many that is uh, keeping me awake at night. That's all. Well, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm sleep is I, would, I know. I was going to say, I haven't slept in, in uh, weeks now, but I will add two quick things to that. One is to add salt to the wound. A lot of these big businesses that are getting these huge bailouts are then, once that money dries up, are going to end up laying off a lot of workers to begin with. And I've even heard this from some of my friends that work at bigger companies like, oh, we'll be laying off people in the fall. We don't know who or how deep it's going to go. So, um, you know, just be prepared for that. And I know that's going to be the extra salt in the wound. So, you know, as things happen and this money dries up that they got from the government, they'll end up laying off people. And of course, we know the corruption at a whole other level. Steve Mnuchin doesn't even want to reveal where all of these uh, funds went to. And uh, Trump fired the inspector general. So it makes it even harder to see what friends uh, that have been donated money to, um, you know, <laughs> have been receiving these funds as well. So that adds a whole other level of corruption to the, the, the normal horrible corruption that we have going well, on. I mean, I, if we had a swamp before, what do what do we have now? If the swamp was maybe this uh, We have a we have a bayou cool. now cuz a bayou yeah. is like a collection of giant swamps put together. So we definitely have a bayou that is a uh, and much like, you know, New Orleans is like constantly sinking because uh, you know, it's below sea level. Uh, I think that's what's happening to the country. Well, what I was going to say about that story is that uh, I think I'm going to have Shake Shack for lunch because even though they did it because they were shamed, they gave their money back. Now it was because people complained about it, but at least they gave their money back. Uh, the final point I want to make, and I know we're almost out of time. I wanted to, uh, Scott, uh, people in New Jersey are voting today. Uh, do you think that Congressman Jeff Van Drew, who last year very proudly switched from Democrat to Republican, endorsed President Trump, got up on stage with him, um, do you think that that might have been a career miscalculation on the level of Shelley Long leaving Cheers so she could go and do movies? Topical. David oh, Caruso man. leaving NYPD Blue so he could do movies after one season? Uh, do you think he'd take that back is what I'm really getting at. You think Jeff Andrews is like, just kidding. Can you put the D next to my name? Well, you know, he's actually in a, in a district where it might work to his benefit this time around, but... Um... Uh, oh, yeah. Is, is, oh, is he is he from like near Philly? Yeah, that I mean yeah, that might that, he's, that he's, might. He's in a, he, I, I think um, it, it was a miscalculation on his part, but at this point, um, uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that all shakes out. I'm actually very curious to see how this works out. Oh, today, oh yeah, it, yeah. His district includes Atlantic City, so that's probably yeah. all we need to know. So yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, New Jersey. I mean, I, I grew up like four miles from New Jersey in like the rural suburbs of New York. So I, I, I know the uh, the ins and outs of New Jersey very well. Uh, it's uh, it's not really that cut and dried where uh, the, the politics are. I mean, 
you know, Christine Todd Whitman and uh, mm-hmm. Chris Christie, you know, both the very well-known governors from that state. But anyway, uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I was shocked that there's still primary voting going on, but I know that a lot of it was moved from earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And man, it's good that we got ours out of the way in California when we did, because, uh, you know, don't don't know that anybody's going out and voting right now. But by the way, I got a thing in the mail um, the other day about, uh, it was a form, because I live in an apartment building. I got a thing from the county saying uh, a person's name who I have no idea who they are, are they still a resident at this address? And I was like, oh, I'm glad that they're at least yeah. making an effort to try to clean up our, you know, to possibly make voting by mail smoother in the state of California or at least the county of Los Angeles. Well, that's good. I, I think that sounds like fake news to me, but we'll have to talk about it another time. I don't think you got Just anything made it in the mail. Up. I don't think you live in an apartment. I, I think you, you live in a, a palatial estate somewhere, but uh, we are out of time right now. Uh, if, you, uh, if you want the book from Chelsea Galicia, you can follow her on Twitter at Chelsea Galicia and Save Yourself is the name of it. Happy birthday, Chelsea. Thank you. I'm wearing my shirt uh, in your Scott's- honor, my, my quarantine birthday shirt in your honor today. Yeah. So happy so- birthday. Scott's Scott's celebrating your Wait, birthday. What does it by, say? It just talks about. It's just talking about my my birthday was in quarantine. The one where ah, we quarantined. It's in the friends yes. level. Yeah. So Scott's celebrating your birthday by making it all yes. about him. And Tamara, of course. Where where can people find you? Well, my birthday's in February, and chances are we're probably still going to be in quarantine. We're all going to have quarantine birthdays at some point. So anyway, hey Tamara, that's me. Twitter, That's you. And speak for yourself. Hey, good, I'll, I'll, I'll move to Florida so that I can go outside all the time. It'll be fine. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at Christian DMZ. That's all the time we have, but we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.